You are listening to Level Up Your Gaming Podcast, Episode 20, Sandbox Games. Today we talk about the genre of sandbox games. We discuss what makes a good sandbox game successful and how to incorporate all your players into the game. We discuss how to end a long-running sandbox game and how to have flexibility while running one. If you'd like to participate in the discussion or leave us feedback, you can contact us at levelupyourgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you like the show, please subscribe, leave us a review, or tell a friend. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome into the Level Up Your Gaming Podcast. My name is Aaron, and across from me, in his home, safe and sound, under a blanket, my good friend, he is always king of his sandcastle, Jared. <laughs> I love that one. That was a good one. King of his <laughs> sandcastle. Because, uh, but how's, how's your week been? Uh, it, it's, it's going good. It's going good. Uh, it's been, uh, it's, well, it was a busy week at work, but, uh, nothing compared to you. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I do not envy your situation, but, uh, uh, you know, at least, uh, at least we have jobs. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's the thing. We're, we're going to stay on the bright side. We're both, both employed during this time. You know, our, our sympathies and our thoughts go out to anyone who's listening and, uh, or your family members or friends uh, who might be suffering during this time. We really, you know, my, uh, my prayers go out to, to everyone, uh, you know, in, in this time. We, we're thinking of everyone. So. Exactly. But, yeah, uh, but on a less gloomy note. Yeah, on brighter notes, uh, we're going to go ahead and try to brighten your day with, uh, with a conversation about a sandbox game and doing a sandbox. Sandbox game. I used to be all pro at sandbox games. You used to love the sandbox I game. used to you love and Nick, the sandbox game. You oh, and Nick, you were, you were the sandbox game king and queen. I'll let you figure out who is who by listening to this podcast. I was clearly the queen. <laughs> but Nick um, loved the sandbox game. And you probably for years did sandbox games. Oh, yeah. So for those of you who don't know what a sandbox game is, a sandbox game is essentially when you are creating a setting. Okay, let's take, for example, the city of Chicago. Let's take, for example, Vampire the Masquerade. Okay, very popular game with White Wolf. Chicago, very popular location with White Wolf. You are essentially putting in all your NPCs, people that your characters can interact with, and the goal with a sandbox game is to have a through line, a main through line, so a main story, but not for it to overwhelm your players. Um, it's supposed to be running parallel to them, but back to the base. Essentially, what you do is you create your sandbox, you create the buildings and the little people in the buildings and everyone they can interact with, and then you just drop your players in with little to no guidance on what to do and how to do it. Yeah, think um, like uh, you know your Grand Theft Autos, Assassin's Creed type games, and essentially what you're doing. Great example. What essentially what you're doing is you're you're giving them the hook into the society, and then you're starting the game. This is typically where your gatherings are very, I would say, a fairly weak gathering. And actually, this is if you're going to do a sandbox game, I would ask you to look at your gathering because your gathering is what actually is going to cohesively put your characters to working the character together okay your players otherwise in a sandbox game are very prone to splitting up it yes aaron aaron hit the nail right on the head with gathering if you have got to nail down some concrete i mean concrete 
reasons why these characters have to stay together. Anything short of there's a bomb implanted in the back of your neck. Um, don't ever use that, please. God, don't ever use that. <laughs> um, it's so cheap. It's cheap, and, and honestly, as a player, the only thing I'd want to do is get the bomb out of my neck. That's all I'd be caring about. And also, um, the magic but, gathering is not very good here either, where you're all called to the city by the prince or the uh, you know, the king or whoever you're being called here by, and uh, because you're the greatest warriors of the land. I, I brought that up in the gathering episode. Go back to it, episode one. Listen to it. Do a good gathering for a sandbox game. Yes. <laughs> you want a great gathering. You want solid concrete uh, ties. Um, you know, honestly, I would recommend, highly recommend that that uh, the uh, session zero, getting together, allowing players to have relationships prior uh, to meeting within the city um, and, and really lay that because otherwise they're going to fracture. They're just going to fracture on you. And I mean, I, I did one sandbox game where I'm pretty sure, Aaron, your character went to like Madrid or someplace in Spain. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the splitting of your characters is so easy in a sandbox game. But also, this is kind of brings up the, 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 the big point of the sandbox game, which is um, even if you're set in a city like New York or you're set in the magical capital of Florian, okay? Um, Gotta love those names. Gotta love those names. <laughs> you, uh, you, you always need to make sure that you have flexibility for your players to travel around and do anything. That's really the key to the sandbox game is the big flexibility that you have within your, your game and your system that your players have no boundaries and no walls or no visibly seen boundaries and walls. And, and, and that's huge because here's the thing with the sandbox game. If, if you are going to allow a sandbox game and then you're going to try to force them into a storyline where they only go into certain houses, go to certain locations, deal with certain people, there is no point in otherwise just pointing up, uh, pulling up GTA 5 and, and playing GTA 5 because you only go into certain buildings, interact with certain people. You can't do whatever you want. You can't solve the solution however you want to solve it. So flexibility is insanely key. You have to be open. To, if your characters or your players say like, we're taking this show to LA. I, I set up the entire thing in Chicago. Yep, they're taking, a, they're taking it to LA, baby. Like, you need to have that level of flexibility. So, oh my goodness, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> that was insanely painful because I have ear earbuds in, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness, that was insanely painful. Okay. I hope I did not just like deafen everyone. Um, <laughs> but no, I am like, I, I think I'm bleeding from my ears for you. Um, oh God, ow. Um, so, Back to flexibility. So you need to be prepared for that. Um, create invisible walls, but the walls need to be guiding walls. They don't need to be, they can't, you can't put up a hard brick wall in a sandbox game. You have to gently guide your players to where you want them to keep the play area in. Because if, if they start globetrotting, it, it's gonna get difficult, but there are globetrotting games. Let's, I mean, like pretty much every Star Wars is a globe-trotting game. Go throughout the universe. Or galaxy. 
I'm sorry, galaxy. Bigger than the galaxy. But, um, huge freaking galaxy. A lot of people in that galaxy. But, so I, I, I will tell you to be flexible. Um, bend, bend stuff. Don't, don't brick wall it. The only reason that I actually give you, a, uh, tell you to use a brick wall is into what I call consequences. What I call consequences. Like I, yeah, I mean, you might you might want to listen to our to our consequences and games podcast about consequences, but this is really the, the those are your limiters in the sandbox game is use consequences to prevent players from doing the wrong thing or from leaving your uh, artificial boundaries, supposedly. Um, and like Jared said, you do have to have that flexibility. Where if you're in night one and your players decide to pick up, they're in Chicago and they decide to go to L.A can't do anything about that i mean like their players are going to do that regardless unless it's a sandbox game unless they are maybe bound uh by duty in chicago okay and by going to la the game becomes something very different where now it's a cat and mouse game where you're being hunted okay um you know you can you can very easily flip the game on itself uh and and make it and make it that way so just as you have to be flexible with saying the players can sort of go wherever they want do whatever they want and bend your boundaries if they break the boundaries well the consequences follow them and you have to be flexible to make sure that the game adjusts accordingly to what your players are doing precisely the consequences need to be measurable um, but consequences need to be enforced you can't let things slide in a sandbox game because the only difficulty in a sandbox because unlike in normal games where you're presenting story antagonist these are your challenges uh in a sandbox game the challenges are created by uh things blocking the players from gaining what they want let's say for example they want to rise to be the new king of this castle of what was it florian 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 they want to be the new king of florian um the obstacles in their way are the castle walls, the city guard, let's be honest, you know, uh, continuance of government um, and their rules just because you kill the king doesn't mean you become the king. Should go to his son according to stereotypical patriarchal lines. Damn the patriarchy. Sorry. <laughs> My wife's reading a lot of books lately. Invisible Women. It's it. It's actually. Uh, I would highly recommend Invisible Women to people. It, it's a. It is a very fascinating uh, look into history. But that is uh, way off the point. Wildly off the point. Um, so yes, consequences. Uh, the barricades. I I always called them barricades. You know, and your players are meant to smash them. Okay, that's what you got to remember. The story ends when there's a barricade that they can't smash. So you can't put an impossible barricade in there. Every barricade has to have a breaking point, okay? Whether or not that is the characters have to go and get a nuclear weapon and vaporize the capital of Florian to become its next king, yes, they break that barrier. But the consequences of said breaking that barrier are you are now king of a radioactive pile of ashes. Mm. Well, it's tough to be a king of radioactive pile of ashes. It's, it's hard to collect taxes from the populace. Hard, yeah. Dust mites don't pay well. Um, but 
Cockroaches. So there you go. flexibility is, 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 is a main tool and it's used in, so if you're looking at throttle and brake, throttle is your flexibility, brake is your consequences and barricades. So use those two uh, to control the speed of your game. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that, that hits us perfectly, which kind of brings us into the next point here. Um, this is story or player motivation. So this is kind of the two flavors of how you do a sandbox game, which means is there an overarching story that happens a la Grand Theft Auto and you just do a bunch of random stuff behind the scenes or is the entire story driven from player motivation? I go to the city and I want to make something of myself. Does a story derive out of the player mode? Isn't there a song about the just a small town boy? You think of the Journey song? Yeah. Okay. From South <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> you know, isn't that a song about making yourself in the big city? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Don't I... Stop Believing, maybe? Yeah, Don't Stop Believing. Is it about motivation? <laughs> I don't know. Either way. <laughs> great song um so just re uh, remember ladies and gentlemen uh when when player motivation versus story i am going to relay to you one of the most brilliant uh ways to actually kind of do uh how, how to measure this and it was actually how aaron did it in one of his previous games the story was there it was in the city things were moving Things were moving regardless of whether or not we were involved. And it was fantastic because I had so many ideas. I ended up taking over like, a, I think it was like a styrofoam cup company that I found out made billions of dollars. Yeah, no, you, you did research. I mean, this is the thing. In a, in a modern Knights game, um, obviously you have the advantage of the internet and being able to discover things about like who the CEO is and like, where does he live or, you know, things like that. Like you, you can find this information and if you're playing modern nights, you're playing current time. Well, and you're in a city that's well known a la Chicago in, in our case. Um, guess what? The, you know, you just look up a company and you can start finding things about that company and that information. And that all exists in modern nights in the game setting or, I'm going to, that, that'll be a different point entirely, but, uh, you know, you should, you should basically just use what already exists um, in a sandbox game. It is really, really hard to create a sandbox game from scratch, build your own world without any source material whatsoever. So in a fantasy world, in a fantasy world, if you are going to do one in D&D, &D, mix up and amalgam all the different books, okay? And let them do a sandbox game with some base knowledge behind those books because you like don't do want to create game, like Greyhawk. Yeah. yeah Greyhawk you don't want is, yeah. is its own self-contained setting. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to, to build an entire world for your players to gallivant in, in, in the past. Um, but in, in modern nights in star Wars, which has a pretty expansive, you know, universe. associated Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can, you can essentially, your players can look up most of the stuff Now you have to be a little bit more creative in star Wars in like, I want to take over a company. Well, that's not going to work as easily in star Wars because you have to create 
the companies that exist and all that. But in Modern Nights, Jared, we were playing a vampire game. Jared just looked up some company and he said, he said, you know, I want to make, I want to make some cash and I want to take over this company. And we went through the, through the process and Jared went ahead and did that. And all the while there's a story marching right along over here that none of the players were interested. None of us caught him, but you know what? There was something about like the city was because Aaron reminded us every session in some way, shape or form that there were still things moving in the city. There were still things moving. He'd pull us back a little bit, you know, almost like a rubber band. Like, here we go, and snap. Okay, remember that there's a story. Let you guys go. Let you guys go. Snap. There's, remember there's a story. And it was fantastic because I felt the undercurrent of the story at all times because in the back of my head, I'm like, there's still stuff going on in the city. It gave me a sense of paranoia of like, crap am i gonna get taken out because i'm like a power play now you know i mm-hmm. i'm a, i'm a wealthy man now people <laughs> want my money um or or is it that uh you know it, that nobody even knows i exist because all i'm doing is focusing on paper cash and, and, and not on the, the things that matter like influence but uh so aaron did a great job he he had a story that was going to continue regardless of our actions so had we ever like run out of ideas, we could have very simply been like, all right, we're going to run over to this guy because we know he's involved. People who create, then there's also what's known as the main through line. The main through line is a little bit harsher. It's more of a, you, you interweave your story with their ideas um, on what they want to do. And, and, and that worked very well for me for many years. Um, I would have like this, this nice little through line in, in the back and, and essentially my players would go crashing in and crashing out and crashing in and crashing out. You know, there's um, so, and then there's free for all. Free for all you have to be very careful with because your players can, sometimes as a storyteller, it can be difficult to keep putting up barricades in front of your players because dang it that's that's all you're doing now yeah i mean the 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 fun in the game at that point becomes the players um motivation and drive to continue smashing barriers or um it becomes the uh this this kind of drive to um to you know, to make themselves into something, whatever they were they were striving for within the game. So if you wanted to become the king of of Florian, like your player is constantly driving to become king of Florian. So he's he's assassinating every member of the royal family and then leading a coup and then Still taking not how the throne. succession works. There hey, you go. Listen, hey. he needs the coup. Leading a coup, taking the throne, and then he he he, he owns Florian. Okay? That that coup has to be better than the Venezuelan coup, though. And I, I'm not, we're not going to dive into modern day. <laughs> I'm just saying that Venezuelan one taken down by Twitter. But, uh, um, but no, you, you, you have to, so, so if that's the only thing that's happening um, in the free for all scenario, uh, essentially your job is just keep putting up barriers and there is no logical end to your game then. It is, you always have to present new barriers. So um, I'll get into that a little bit later, but you know, you're, you're gonna have to make a choice of, of you know, when you start doing that, 
when does it become a game that you no longer want to play because either you are too powerful and you've been playing it too long or you have run out of sufficient barriers to take down your players. So. Right. And so this is, and, and Aaron uh, doesn't know that I kind of had this planned from the, from the start. I have a topic that I was going to talk about because it's kind of a confessional to him and an apology to him. So this is, this is my warning to you guys, uh, to our listeners. You might have some groups in your, or some individuals in your group who are powerful personalities. They could sell ice to an Eskimo. They're great men and women, but they are powerful personalities and they will come up with the craziest freaking ideas. And you as a storyteller might get wrapped up in going along with those crazy ideas. Aaron, unfortunately, was the victim of me going along with another one of our players' ideas on, on almost everything. Remember, you are the storyteller. You need to keep players contained. You can't get wrapped up in their ideas and just want to explore their ideas with them. That is not the goal. Uh, and remember, all of your players are the most important people at the table. There's not one guy with the plan and the rest are, I don't know, his Scooby gang. Doesn't work like that. And Aaron was the victim of that for, I want to say years. And Aaron, I'm sorry that that was the situation for years. Because you, I essentially relegated you and, and everyone to being his Scooby gang. And I shouldn't have allowed that. So it's an act of an apology. I am warning future generations. Do not let the other members of the group become the backup to one powerful personality. Everybody has to be the center. Everyone has to be in the spotlight. It's a group game. It's a community game. You're all friends. You all have to be in the spotlight. Not just one person, then everyone out towards the peripheral. So there we go, Aaron. My apologies. Well. My thank, very public apology. Th thank you. That is, that's, uh, thank you for, for the, for the apology. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, of course I accept your apology. Um, you know, it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> long time ago. I think I've become a better storyteller since then. I, I, I think my, 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 my biggest problem with the games that we ran in those years was the lack of story elements within the game. Um, and that's kind of why I want to point out, like, with the Sandcastle game, motivation versus story, um, always have a story there. Because other players, so you're going to have very assertive players and you're going to have very passive players, as Jared sort of pointed out there with, 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 with everything that he ended up saying. Um, and, uh, well, crap, my phone just thought I said, hey, Siri. So, uh, <laughs> but, but anyways, you're going to have players like that and um you need to satiate everybody at the table jared brought this up in uh an earlier podcast which is make sure that everybody's having fun giving everybody that time to shine i think that that was a lesson Huge. you learned from those days is that not everybody had a time to shine and nope. i think that, that now you have really put that in your game to make sure that everybody has a time to shine so even if you're passive player who sits there and is going to be the sniper in a game, uh, you know, has I'm gonna their moment. I'm going to make sure you have a target to hit. You're going to make, make sure, sure they have a moment that is 
awesome for them as a player. And it's, it, it's not that they were just following around the rest of the guys or the rest of the group, but they were integral in completing something or integral in, you know, finishing the quest, integral in solving the case, integral in taking down the bad guys, uh, you know, integral in the coup. I don't know if that's what you're, you're all about, but <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they, they, they were, they were very important because somebody is going to be King at the end of the day in, in, the, in a sandbox game. And uh, you know, you just have to be aware of how the rest of the players flow around that and make sure that, that it's not always about, numero uno (laughs) so on to the next topic yes so what's really important here we we brought this up here with the flexibility piece but um generally with the sandbox game because of how large they are you want to establish a good setting okay and so this could tie in either to your story or into the player motivations uh so you can derive this from your session zero or you can tell people where you want to set it and let their motivations be uh, placed based on the setting. So you want players to either mesh into it or you want to build a game around where players want to be. So setting is just so important in a sandbox game. And I think you can just speak even more to that, Jared. Uh, yeah. So one of the things when, especially when it, it's integral to the, to the character's goals, this is why a session zero is so, so important, you know, because you want to establish what are the motivations of my player characters. So, for example, if their motivation is, I don't know, the, the, the dark arts, to become the seven wizards of the dark arts, putting them in the middle of, like, a town full of white magic that has no clue how to engage in the dark arts, not good. Um, if they want to engage in political actions putting them in the middle of an active war zone not good uh the setting has to complement the goals of the player like politics works perfect in chicago chicago is known for its shady politics that anybody can buy in you know what i mean there there's a way in to everyone um you know you don't want to have it so tight whereas um, there, there's no possibility of getting involved in what they want to get involved in. You don't want to create those structures that are overbearing. Setting also has to be very uh, open and free. You can't, you can't have a setting that uh, contains your players to only one path. So remember that when you're creating a sandbox game. Open lines. You, you want to see a lot of openness. Um, think of every new corner they take uh, to be a mystery, but to be a knowable mystery. So, for example, a city map is great, but what's behind every door is a mystery. You know, but allow those mysteries to be integrated. So, setting is 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 always key. I generally look to major cities for sandbox games. I do not find sandbox games do not typically work well in rural areas. Um, not enough tourists. Not enough tourists. Uh, you know, not enough traffic. There's just not enough uh, going on. Not enough on. mysteries. You can only have so many caves in the country. <laughs> only so many caves. Unless you're, isn't there like an area with like a thousand caves? Like some area. 
The ultimate place for a rural sandbox game. <laughs> for a rural sandbox game. Um, yeah, I just, I, I would not recommend it because really, and I, I, I guess this is one of my major points, is that sandbox games are about your characters, your players, manipulating, changing, turning, and crafting the environment to create their will, to, to imbue their will. What you are doing is essentially just giving a little bit of torque, you know, to that, making it a little difficult. If there's not enough there to twist and turn, either it's going to be very short, too simple, and the characters just run through it. Um, that's why you need density. You need an area to be dense for a good sandbox game. You, you need that. Um, also with sandbox games, I do not recommend settings that take forever for players to get in contact with one another because eventually there will be a break in the party. Someone will say like, well, I, I, I really do want to engage more in the black arts and for that I need to, to speak with old man Scimitar. See, your fake names are so much better than my fake names. I'm better at that than you are. <laughs> way better. Um, way better. Uh, so, old man Scimitar, he lives in Florence, which, you know, by horse, takes 17 days to get there. Now you've got, now, please refer back to our last podcast about time. Um, yeah, can't you activate fast travel? Come on, I mean, this... <laughs> uh, exactly, you need... And what are your other players doing why he's taken 17 days just to get there, staying with old man Scimitar for four days, and then 17 days to get back? Christ almighty. They could have taken over a city in that amount of time if they're, if they're vampires. Probably not humans. Uh, although some coups do work fast. Um, you get very manipulative players, okay? So I just... <laughs> Um, Gifted with the, the silver tongue. <laughs> the fun in a sandbox game comes down to people. Um, it really does. It, it really comes down to people and, and getting them from point A to point B for what you want them to do. Because trust me, if it's just not, if they're like, I want to build a mansion, all right, you knock out a couple of walls and you build a mansion. That's not hard. Moving people is hard. Moving people is hard. Exactly, and uh, you know that, that's the little touch there on on setting. You got to have that setting. You want density in your setting, and you want it to um, you want it to be interactive. Because the more people you have, the more competing interests that you have against your motivations, which makes things difficult and challenging to do. Okay, um, and that kind of brings me here to. Uh, sort of the, the duration of your sandbox game. You're ending, or does it not end? Does it just keep going? Um, and I think that, you know, you have an example of both, uh, and I think that maybe you come to a, a logical end at some point in some of the sandbox games. The problem with sandbox games are, if you have an overarching story, does the end of that story end the game, or does the sandbox continue? Because they're typically placed to be larger, ongoing games. Uh, that is the point of the sandbox game, which is, does the game end when your motivation runs out? I don't know. What are your thoughts, Jared? Uh, my thoughts are never let a game just slip into the path and die. 
Um, never let your game die of old age. It's it's better to go out in a fiery crash and a, a ball of an inferno than it is to fade away. You know what I mean? Um, so one of, I, I always like to leave people tools. So you don't know when a sandbox game is going to end, but you know what your players' motivations were, right? You've known that since the beginning. So sandbox games, players could start to slip motivations. At the beginning of a sandbox game, what I recommend is you create an ending where dreams may have come true or they're almost true, but they take place years later. I became king, right? If you can at least craft a single scene, you know, whether it's the king at his table and he's going over something, you know, you'll say 10 years in the future, the king is at his table, you're going over uh, a new tax law that will free all sales tax, I don't know. You feel your heart starting to give. And you feel it. You felt it for years. You feel the cold, icy fingers of death upon you, or, or, or whatever you want to say. But let that player give a last remark, a last order as king. You know, maybe they, they have, uh, you know, maybe it's they've become, um, you know, one of my favorite book series was the Dragonlance novels. And Raceland was, was the wizard in there. I'm probably saying his name incorrect. Um, but that's how I read it. I'm dyslexic, forgive me. You become that dark wizard. You all become the dark seven wizards and you come together one last time to discuss this. And, and somebody breaks in. Leave that fight in limbo. You know, they break in, everyone readies their staffs and, and darkness will over. Let them punctuate the end with the words they want it to end with. Because I have found that is the best way to end it if you don't have a storyline. If you don't have a main through line and you've got a, a true sandbox game, you can't predict the end. You have to make the end sometime after and it has to be a single scene. If you've got a through line, like I had a strong through line for probably my best game ever was named Elders. We've talked about it numerous times on this podcast. Uh, there was a main through line always to the end. And my players, once, once I had noticed that the game had kind of run its course, I initiated the final scene of my main through line brought the players back for their last ride and they did and it was fantastic and an epilogue was created epilogues are huge for your players make that epilogue let them know that their their presence was known in that world you know what i mean it, it's it's huge just huge always yeah. end the game never let it fade yeah, I, that was one of our biggest rules in one of the previous podcasts, but Jared, I couldn't have put it any more poetically than that at the end of it. Thank you. Um, so I, I actually, I don't have any other points, but uh, do you? <laughs> um, I do have one point, actually. Okay. Um, just a very quick thing. Uh, and it's kind of a reminder to all storytellers. Not everyone in your group with a sandbox game is going to engage is not going to seek some social, political, combat status. They're going to seek knowledge. They're going to seek technology. Those players who like the sandbox of being able to create their own spells, being able to create their own technology, uh, let their imaginations fly. Let them start creating things. You know, because it, it's easy to miss. And I, I, I have been the victim. 
the best way that I could ever uh, exemplify it is uh, a question with mage. In, in mage, difficulty is based off of how complicated it is to change reality. I've asked many a storyteller at LARP, when I was trying to create hundreds of dollars of bills, they would say, well, the, it, it's way too insanely difficult. But if I said, but if I was going to make a stack of $1 bills, would it be insanely difficult? They're like, no, it's a stack of $1 bills. I'm like, there's nothing physically different except for the design of a $100 bill versus a $1 bill. It is the perceived amount of value it has with the storytelling. So in a sandbox game where your players are going to come up with ideas that you perceive as valuable, okay? Make sure it's not just another piece to what the player is looking for. Because I wasn't looking to make $100 bills because I wanted to, you know, just buy a new car. I was looking to make hundreds of dollars of bills to start creating influence throughout the city. A good storyteller would have realized that, hey, the difficulty shouldn't lie in the creation of dollar bills. The, cre the difficulty should rely on using those bills to gain the political influence. So always recognize where the barricade should go. Perfectly said. Again, it's all about managing your barricades, all about managing and being flexible with your players and putting in the challenges in a sandbox game. Very difficult games, sometimes very rewarding, very. sometimes very, uh, very easy to flop. But uh, crash you know, and burn. Crash and burn. But, uh, you know, let us know about your experience with the with sandbox games. You know, if you had a very successful one, a super long running sandbox game, uh, you know, you can get us at levelupyourgamingpodcast at gmail.com um, or, or, you know, sub, uh, subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends to listen to it. Uh, you know, try to give us a, give us some feedback that, you know, if you like sandbox games, you hate them, you can't stand them or any other of uh, the, uh, the topics that we've discussed prior to this. But uh, for Jared, I'm Aaron. Stay safe out there, guys. Stay safe, everyone.